I'm going to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. And I'm going to read uh, the part where Jesus explains to his disciples the interpretation of the parable of the sower that he's just spoken out uh, to all the crowds uh, gathered at Galilee. So I'm going to read from uh, verse 18 of chapter 13 of Matthew's Gospel. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Every year in October, we have our Vision Sunday. And we remind ourselves during Vision Sunday on why it is that we're here on earth. And as a church, we aspire to be followers of Jesus, sharing the goodness of God with everyone. Followers of Jesus, we want to be really clear that's who we're following. We want to share with everyone. And we say the goodness of God just to be slightly gritty there, slightly controversial, because people have a question, is God good? Sometimes we ask that question ourselves as we go through life, don't we? And actually, we find that God is good through the tough times of life as well as the good times in life. And that's what we want to share uh, with people. Before I move on to our particular focus for this year, I want to give a little bit more explanation about what we mean by this aspiration. As followers of Jesus, we want to share God's goodness, we want to celebrate God's goodness, and we want to encounter God's goodness. I want to emphasize that for each one of us, share, celebrate, and encounter is for all of us in our everyday lives. For example, we all share something of God's goodness. For example, through acts of kindness, the small and big things in our everyday lives. I know many of you have been involved making Kairos cookies uh, for the prisoners in Whitemore Prison. There's more going on this afternoon, I think. That's right, yeah. And that's a great way of sharing God's goodness. You will be able to think of lots of other ways that you do that through the week. And we're all doing this in different ways, and that's great. With Celebrate, we talk about who God is and what he's done and what we long for him to do. And that can be as simple as giving thanks at the beginning of a meal. 
And then we encounter God's goodness in the everyday, wherever we are. Through prayer, through reading the Bible, having a pop-up on our phone of a Bible verse or an encouraging word from the Lord, welcoming the Holy Spirit, and of course, through each other. And that's all of us every day. Someone in St. Barnabas recently described this to me as, uh, church isn't an extra thing that we do. It's integral to who we are. Church isn't an extra thing that we do. It's integral to who we are. So some of the main ways that we do this as a church, I've described there what we can all do all the time, and that's fantastic. We also want to take, share, celebrate, encounter, and say, this is what we do as a church. So with share, we seek to build communities that are open to all people, especially those who wouldn't normally connect with a church. We call these communities Barnabas communities that are spread across our city to share God's goodness with people wherever they are. And this way of having Barnabas communities is simply our way of reclaiming something of the way that the early church grew through extended households. And we'll look at that a little bit more later. We're also, by doing this, recovering the way that our church actually started. It started in a home, in a street, three streets down, in 1862, where some people said, we want to reach the railway workers that recently moved into this area with the goodness of God. So it started in a home, it started in a household. So we're recovering some of that early history of our church, as well as calling on the way that the early church started. Of course, as a whole church, we seek to celebrate what God is doing throughout the week with thanksgiving, And when we gather on Sundays, we worship God together, we learn from the Bible, and we invite the Holy Spirit to empower and equip us to live as followers of Jesus. The early church also gathered in the temple courts, that big bubble we saw earlier, as well as in homes. And Sundays are important for us to celebrate together. And then with encounter, we seek to make space to encounter God in all we do, We have patterns of prayer throughout the year as we believe that prayer upholds everything we do. We engage in rhythms to help sustain our relationship with God in both the good and the difficult seasons of life by keeping our focus on Jesus. Many of us know that the deepest times of encounter with God are during times of difficulty when we need to know the reality of God walking with us no matter what and supporting each other during these times. So it's really important for me to state that all three, share, celebrate and encounter, are equally important and they all flow into each other. You can't have one without the other and in a way we need to have work at having all three going on in our personal life and in our church life. At the same time, you know that we're a church that wants to be a missional church. We want to reach people. We don't just assume that people are going to turn up on a Sunday. We want to be where people are. And therefore, we set the direction of our church as share. And you'll see that in the way that this arrow 
is set up, we're going out. Share sets the direction. I'm so passionate about, our, about God growing our church through people coming to faith in Jesus. We're disciples on mission, putting into practice the word of God in our lives. We're people who want to hear the word of God and act on it. And in a way, that's very simple. It's also very challenging. But it's a simple question of what next, Lord? What are you saying next? Now, I want to give you a moment now to to have a, a break and to consider this question. What one thing has struck you from what I've said so far? What is God saying? Now, as I I preach this morning, I can see there's a lot of visitors here this morning. It's fantastic to welcome you. And this vision that I'm describing is very much the St. Barnabas Church vision. So as you do the processing, as you have the little breakout conversation, you might want to be thinking about it for your location and your place and use these times to talk with with each other about that. So do use that in this way. Okay, so I'm going to give you space to talk with people around you or simply to think on your own, to consider this question. What's one thing that has struck you from what I've said so far? Off you go. So as a church, uh, we also aspire to become a vibrant regional centre, resourcing outward-focused communities that are reaching people across our wonderful city and beyond with the goodness of God, regardless of where those people are in their spiritual journey. And we see uh, this route to this aspiration to follow a five-year process. And this, uh, this five years is outlined by these key words, establish, expand, multiply, plant, and regional center. You'll see we have arrived at multiply. Multiply. And uh, the picture that we have of multiply links in with the reading of seeds. Seeds being scattered, seeds being thrown out. And I'll come back to this reading a little bit later on. Multiply. What do we want to multiply during this year? What do we want to see God do? Well, again, I want to go back to uh, that early church example where the early church grew in gathering together in the temple courts to worship and also in extended households. And it's estimated that in AD 100, there were 25,000 followers of Jesus at that time. By AD 310, it is estimated that there were 20 million followers of Jesus. 25,000 to 20 million. I think that's multiplication, isn't it? It's massive. It's like watching all those little bubbles go up. all over. Let's think of an example that's a bit nearer to us in terms of time. 
It's been recorded that the Chinese church, at the point where Chairman Mao instituted the Cultural Revolution and expelled all of the foreign missionaries from China, uh, closed down all of the churches, the public, the public setting of churches, uh, church, local church leaders were either uh, killed or imprisoned. At that point in the 1960s, it was estimated there were two million Chinese Christians. At the point that that was lifted in the 1980s, the foreign mission agencies went back in and they were concerned as to what they would find had happened to the church in China. In 1980, it was estimated that there were 60 million Christians in China. Two million to 60 million. And nowadays, it's estimated that there are around 120 million followers of Jesus in China. This is a church that had no public buildings, had to go underground, had to be in households. What about something that happened in our country? Well, under John Wesley in the 1700s, the 18th century, people gathered to hear and preach. There were huge gatherings around John Wesley as he got on his horse and went round. But he also instituted smaller groups of people to hold them accountable to what their lifestyles as followers of Jesus were about and to encourage them to share the good news of God. And it was estimated that by the end of his lifetime, one in 30 people in England had become Methodists. Amazing, isn't it? Multiplication, again. Now, I'm really interested in that one as well as the first two because John Wesley was speaking into a culture that was religiously educated. People understood about church. And yet, he, something different happened through his ministry and it's clearly empowered by the Holy Spirit. Of course, the common denominator of all of these is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Multiplication. Multiplication. Recent survey I read said that the Church of England now is 15% of people in the UK. Oh no, that would be England. Try that again. 15%. Church of England in England is 15% of people in the country. And 70% of the 18 to 25 year olds bracket says they say they don't believe. That could be a reason to be despondent. Like the foreign, foreign missionaries when they were expelled from China and there were only two million people around the country and they were thinking, what's going to happen next? But God did something remarkable through the households, through the church going underground. So low statistics of church attendance don't bother me. 
But what God does is he stretches us, but he doesn't want us to strive. Because strive takes us into guilt and failure and all that sort of stuff. But he will stretch us. He will stretch us. And he has, he's stretching me with those figures from the Chinese church. He's stretching me by the last verse in that parable. That when he talks about multiplication, when the Bible talk, when Jesus in this parable talks about multiplication, he doesn't start with 30. He doesn't start with 60. He starts with 100 times. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Raise our faith, Lord. Raise my faith, Lord, about what you can do. So share, celebrate, and encounter. How can we multiply this throughout St. Barnabas in all aspects of life, of being disciples on mission, of being followers of Jesus? Well, with share, I'm looking to multiply and asking God to multiply the Barnabas communities that we have. Before I describe that and what that could look like, I want to say that all of you here are involved in sharing God's goodness. Whether you're in a Barnabas community or not, I want to really affirm people who are in home groups and involved in lots of different things across our city. It's really important that we all know that we have a part to play. The Barnabas community piece is simply our way of recovering the extended households from the early church. And I really want us as a church to find out more about what the Barnabas communities are, where they are, and what we're going to do next Sunday on Commitment Sunday is we're going to have a Barnabas communities fair where the church is going to be set up with tables and the Barnabas communities and their leaders will be around the side of the church and everybody will be able to have a go to, have a, to go to a table and have a chat and then go around each table. We're going to move people on every five minutes so everybody has a chance to chat and talk with Barnabas communities because I want us to be really transparent and open about what Barnabas communities are, where they are. I want us to be clear about the uh, underpinning of them from the very early church start and that's why on September the 17th I preached about extended households here and uh, so you can pick up that sermon off the website. I'd love for our current Barnabas communities to multiply further, and I'm excited about the plans that are afoot with regards to the young people, with the students. I'm delighted that family life has already multiplied into two. Uh, I'd love for some of our home groups to think about transitioning to become Barnabas communities. That's not for all home groups, and that's absolutely fine. But I know one or two people that are wondering about that as a transition. And I want to honour the work that goes on in Ditchburn, uh, which is a local care home. There's a fellowship that happens there every week that's been going on for years. And people in the nine o'clock service serve that. And this morning I was able to honour them and say that really is kind of like an embryonic Barnabas community that's been going on for years. 
I would also love for new Barnabas communities to start. And last year I was saying, in order to start a Barnabas community, I'd like you to be in one to, to get the idea of it. But I, I've really felt challenged about that, that actually I want to release people to start one. If you have a vision for a Barnabas community, if you have spotted a people group, some people that you think, oh, I'd love them to get to know about the goodness of God, well, come and have a talk with us. And next week at the Barnabas Community Fair, we're going to have a find out more table, which is exactly that. And if you want to start a Barnabas community, come to that table and have a conversation. We'd love to hear more, because I'd love to see God multiply the variety of Barnabas communities we have. So, for example, tomorrow evening, there is uh, a talk going on. It's sponsored by the Faraday Institute and the Christian Graduate Society. So, and it's a talk which is called Science and Faith, Friends or Foes. Six o'clock, chemistry department. Tomorrow evening. And I thought about that. thought, fantastic. We can encourage people to go to that. But what about if this morning somebody here thought, oh, actually, I could start a community around those sort of conversations, science and faith, and draw people into that. Now, that's not something I could do because I know nothing about science. But there might be somebody here. Might be other people who are really concerned about the environment and the state of our uh, world. You might be thinking, oh, that's something I could gather a Barnabas community around. Other people are really into social action. It's really important that we are, as a church, into social action. Is there some sort of Barnabas community that could form around that? Or around allotments? What about the Barnabas community around that? I'm still waiting for that Barnabas community that is formed around punting on the cam. What a cool Barnabas community that would be. I bet that would grow so, so fast, wouldn't it? Amazing. Are there people that you think, oh Lord, I'd love for them to know your goodness. And why isn't this church doing more about that? Well, that, that's the killer question. Because you're the church. So have you got a sense of why are we not doing more about that. Often what God's doing there is what I describe as a bit of grit in the oyster. He's causing you some frustration. And what happens with grit in an oyster is that it forms into a pearl. So for me, it's like grit in the oyster is forming in you a pearl of great price, the kingdom of God that's worth selling everything to go and get. So if you're sitting there thinking, oh, why doesn't this church do that? Why doesn't this church reach those people? Maybe you're the answer to the question you're asking. And I'd love to have a conversation with you about it. But if you haven't got a frustration going on at the moment, don't look for one. <laughs> Lift the guilt off immediately. You know, don't think, oh, I've got to chase around doing something. Just find out more about it next week. See what's going on. We want to go with what God's saying. That's why I'm saying things like, I would love for this to happen, rather than saying we're going to do it, because it needs to come from us as a community. What's God saying to us? You know, that might be something, a seed that God's planting in your life this morning. 
say, oh, yeah, and gather a few people around it, go and have a chat with Anne or James about it. Let's see what God's sowing into our lives, releasing us to do. I've said before about Barnabas communities, if you've got a vision stirring, it simply has to be biblical, moral, and legal. Apart from that, anything goes. Anything goes. And also to find out more, we've got a workshop happening in February on a Saturday morning. Someone in a Barnabas community in this church said to me once, actually, until he was in a Barnabas community, he thought the Great Commission was beyond his reach. And now it seems more possible. It's still a walk of faith. There's still different things to figure out. Okay, again, I'm going to give us a break here. As I've been sharing, what ideas has, have sprung to your mind? What's the, maybe the grit in the oyster, or maybe it's a, ooh, I wonder about that. Have a moment now to just think on your own. Allow the Holy Spirit to come. Sow, some, sow seeds in your life. Let's take a moment to do that just on our own. So as we continue to think about multiply, what about with regards to multiply and celebrate? Well, I've no desire to multiply any more Sunday services. That's at this stage. Okay, we've probably got enough going on on Sundays. But we'd love to hear within the context of Sundays what stories, more stories of what God is doing, more testimonies as we gather together, uh, more prayer and uh, worship, and release of the Holy Spirit. Uh, love to continue to have this whole church alpha. With regards to prayer, uh, we have these breakthrough nights. And the first one we had last uh, Wednesday was a fantastic combination of prayer and worship. And God was able to speak into what it is that we're doing next. And we're going to continue to have those once a term. And also prayer uh, hours on the first Wednesday of every month. Prayer really does need to underpin everything we do. We see that so clearly in the early church that in Acts 12, when Peter was stuck in prison, where was the church gathered? In a home. Mary, the mother of John Mark, had gathered people to pray for breakthrough, to ask for Peter to be released from prison. And they were hugely surprised when he knocked on the door saying, I've just got out of jail. Rhoda was so surprised, she left him on the doorstep. She slammed the door in his face and shot up to tell everybody. And they said, we don't believe you. I want to have that childlike faith in our prayer. Praying really massive prayers. And then when it happens, go, wow, that really happened. <laughs> That's praying with faith. It's that combination, would you, Lord? Oh, come on, Lord. And with encounter... I'd love for all of us in the church to be pray, trained to pray for others to see people healed. I'd love to see that multiplied out beyond the prayer ministry team into all of us being able to do that so that we can pray in the church, but yes, beyond the church. 
It's not really for the church, is it? Well, it is for the church. But it's beyond. It's gathered and out there, isn't it? Yeah, I'm getting lots of nods. You all want to do that, don't you? Great. And we'd love to... Oh, and we've got prayer ministry training on the 4th of November, so get that in your diary. If you're interested in that, come on, get trained up. And we'd love to have something like a Freedom in Christ course or equivalent this year to go deeper with some of the things that are a bit difficult in our lives to see God bring freedom. And again, one for all of us to learn is how to lead someone to Christ as we go forward in this year of Multiply. So I started by reading the interpretation by Jesus of the parable of the sower. A hundred, sixty, thirty times is what Jesus says is that area of fruitfulness. And I want to be really clear as I speak this word of multiply that my expectation for this to happen is on God. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. My expectation is that it is God who will grow our church. We simply need to partner with what God's already doing. Of course, that's going to involve us in working together to get behind it all, but it is God who's going to do this. And as we look at this parable of the sower, the farmer casts out seed. But you'll see that there are at least there are three places where it lands where it doesn't bear fruit. And that should be hugely encouraging to us. As I look around here, I see people who've regularly thrown out seed, thrown out the goodness of God into other people's lives. And some of you, when you've thrown, it's landed on hard ground. It's just bounced back. Anyone had that happen? Yeah, quite a few people. For others, you've thrown out the seed and it's landed and the person has initially responded with great excitement and great joy and then something hard has hit their life or their family has mocked them for committing to Jesus and you've just seen it all wither away. And that's been hard because you've been sowing seed. You wanted to see it grow. And then for others of you, you've seen that other thing that happens with the seed. It's thrown out, and Jesus describes it like this. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. He describes it like thorns growing up around the harvest and choking it down. And when I think about Cambridge, when I pray about Cambridge... I think those are the two things that I see going on. The deceitfulness of wealth, not money in itself, but I love the way Jesus describes that. Deceitfulness of wealth, it has that kind of, I must have the next best thing about it. Must have the next iteration of whatever phone is coming down the line. And it's a deceit, isn't it? Because we think we must have it. That's how it operates. Hmm. never seeming to have enough 
Now, I know that many of you here are already engaged with one of the best ways to counteract the deceitfulness of wealth. And that is to give money away. To regularly give money to the life of the church, as well as other things that God calls you to give to. Giving first to God counteracts the deceit of wealth. And for those of you who are part of St. Barnabas, you've got these um, cards on your chairs. Please do take these away and have a pray. And this links in with what you are considering is your regular giving to the life of the church. Have a pray. See what God is saying to you about 2018. It may be that your circumstances have changed and you're thinking, actually, I can't give so much this year. Or it might be that it's exactly the same this year. Or it might be the Lord's saying, how about a bit more? And you feel able to stretch into that. Whatever it is and whatever God's saying to you, would you write that down on this card and bring it back into Commitment Sunday next week? What this does is it helps us as a church to review our commitment to our regular giving as a community and say, okay, Lord, what are you saying? And on a practical front, it helps us as a church plan our budget for 2018. That's why it's got 2018 written on it. So would you do that? Would you take that away, pray about that in your households, and bring those back next week to Commitment Sunday? And of course, it's not simply money that is part of our commitment. It's also our time and our effort. So when I have this at home, I have a think about that too and say, Lord, what are you asking me to do? How can I play my part in the life of this church? How can I play my part in sharing the goodness of God with those who don't come to church regularly? And honestly, that's the bit I have to pray into most because I work with people who come to church I love them dearly. But I need to meet people who don't come to church. So that's where I get stretched is, Lord, what are you saying to me beyond doing this? Where can I encounter people who don't go to church? For most of you here, that's not your problem. You're encountering people the whole time in terms of sharing the goodness of God. Okay, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. What about this aspect of the worries of this life? Well, I see that. When I pray about Cambridge, I see that a lot around. The worries of this life choking out the new seed, the responsibilities, the busyness. And you know, even the expectations of this vision of multiply, expectations of, that we put on ourselves of wanting to people, see people come to faith, the kind of what do I need to do could have the effect of adding to the busyness. The pressures of this life, it's very easy for that to be linked to the vision of multiplication and then it would get choked off because we start to think, well, how could we ever do it? Well, I don't want us to do it. I hope that's a relief to you. I want God to do it. 
I want God to do it. That's who my hope is in. That's who my expectation is on. It's on God. So if at any moment under this vision of multiply, you're starting to feel a huge weight, I want to lift that off you right now because my expectation is on God and what he's going to do through us. It's that way around. And the vision of 100-fold, 60-fold, and 30-fold, well, it's a big vision, but it's on God. What could this look like? Well, let's break it down a little bit. Let's say, how about this year, each household reaches one other household? How about that? Seems a little bit less scary than 2 million to 120 million, doesn't it? Seems a bit more doable, doesn't it? One household reaching one other household. Although it is doable, it also requires faith. Because as we've seen, when the seed gets scattered, it doesn't necessarily land on good soil. But the promise of this parable is that some of it does land on good soil. And that's our prayer as a church, that as we scatter the seed, it will land on good soil and we'll start to see this multiplication happen. Let's stand. Let's take a moment before the Lord. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we know that throughout generations, it's when you come and empower your people that we see God grow the church. So Holy Spirit, that's what we ask for this morning. As I express this huge vision of multiply, Lord, let us see that this is not something we're doing on our own. We're doing this in community. We're doing it in our households. We're doing it in extended households. And especially we're not doing this on our own because you, Jesus, are with us by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I thank you that when we get involved with what it is, God, that you want us to do, it's a choice not a chore, that it's a stretch, but it's not striving. Lord, I pray that you'd release any sense of that from us, any sense of chore or striving, and help us to step into that participation with you, that joy of being your followers, sharing the goodness of God with everyone, of scattering seeds, And Lord, would you bring us to a place of reaping a harvest, of being able to have the joy of seeing people come to faith in you, people who are far from you, as well as people who knew about you in the past and have turned away. Lord, come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Do this, Lord, through us. 
for your glory, Lord.